All right. Good evening, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Geeks Who Haunt. Before we begin, I have some very bad news for my guest. Chris, you're half hillbilly. What? That wasn't in the liner notes. Are you sure? (laughs) Yes, I'm quite sure. So now's the part where I go on a homicidal rampage, right? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, it'll work. You're having a bad day, so it works. I'm all for it because, you know, a year ago, an entire family of hillbillies murdered my parents, right? <laughs> like tonight. The anniversary is tonight. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I wasn't expecting this much of a comeback, so I was not prepared. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, so if you can't tell, tonight we're going to talk about the cult classic Tucker and Dale versus Evil. (sighs) One thing I have to say, do you think it's a comedy with some dark aspects or is it a dark comedy? I think after rewatching this movie again this week, it's one of the most perfect examples of a near perfect mix horror comedy that I think um, you could recommend to people Um, up there with evil dead Two, and even more so army of darkness. It, it structures its comedy in the most slapstick old fashioned three stooges way possible, almost with an almost childlike, sense of humor to it and then throws in the most horrifically over the top but brutal gore ever and manages to still have some heart to it all um it's wonderful exactly it is all horror tropes pretty much except for you know reading out of a evil book and stuff all wrapped up into a movie and it's it's hilarious because you get to see you get both sides of it you get Tucker and Dale, uh, Dale played by Tyler Labine and Tucker Allen Tudyk, I think his name is. Um, That's right. And then you get all the college kids. And it's kind of hilarious how they set it all because you can see on each side, besides the stupid, crazy college guy, how each side could be misconstrued. And it makes some great laughter. And I was rewatching it today just so that I could be refreshed. And I was telling Ulrich about how I really wish I could have seen you watch this for the first time, because I love seeing people watch this and just getting their expressions. Like I, I feel like that's the best part. Absolutely. We used to do this thing and we, we need to start doing it again around here called after ween where we'd have a Halloween party like in mid-November, just give give everybody one more chance to put their costumes on, come along, hang out. And my buddy Jeremy, near the end of the night, would always throw on some random movie. And he threw this on, so this must have been in like 2011. And it was my first exposure to it. And I had, you know, seen the trailers and read about it and knew a lot about it. And it was definitely on my list of things to see. But it was kind of just playing in the background and we got about 20 or 30 minutes into it. And I turned and I went, Whoa, this is unique because I didn't realize when you're ready for me to blab. again." Okay, go ahead. 
Okay, so, you know, you can see it from both sides. You know, there's a complete movie with the, the hillbillies and their reaction to the kids running around murdering themselves. And there's a complete movie with the kids um, misconstruing what's going on with them. And the movie gives you the extra shots that you wouldn't have gotten from any other movie like it to kind of let you in on the joke. You ready? I'm red right now. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Weird. Okay. I'm going to try this again. So what was incredible in this one is that you have the little bits of scenes from the side of the hillbilly characters and Tucker and Dale, and then the side from the college students and the movie gives you the little bits of each of those stories that you wouldn't have seen, which would disconnect them and make them feel isolated. So you get both sides and you end up in on the joke and even better than a film like say cabin in the woods, which totally subverts the genre and is very winky about it the whole time you end up getting a movie that kind of is a genre in and of itself instead of just feeling and looking like one comedy you've seen or one cabin in the woods movie, you kind of get a good story on top of all of your humor and your horror. Um, when we watched it at my afterween party, I, you know, the, the scene I caught in on was the, the first, uh, the, the kill with the beehive in the, in the log. And that is one of the most well put together scenes from a horror standpoint, because there's still horror for you, for the audience, because the kid still dies in a horrific way without you realizing it's going to happen. And so it's horrific for, um, the characters as well that are seeing it happen instead of it being, Oh, you're fully in on the joke and you know how they're all going to die. And, and I just loved that about it. Yeah. Um, so generally in horror movies, they would try and make it to where the, the Hill Williams, just so that you know, not hillbillies. We, we don't, we're not mean like that. So the, the, Hill I Williams, love it. Hill Williams. <laughs> yes. The Hill Williams would be the bad guys. And we would be kind of forced, I guess, to take the side of the college kids um, and watch them struggle to, you know, rise against the Hill Williams and stuff. But in this one, it makes you really hate the college kids and makes you feel so soft for Tucker and Dale because they're they're such good adorable little guys and i love them so much and everything that happens is just so hilarious i just i can't like i i sit here and i'm trying to explain and talk about it and stuff like that and i just keep reliving certain parts of the movie and it makes me just want to laugh inside of myself you know? i i agree one of the the perfect examples of that is the the wood chipper scene when the um, cop shows up afterwards and the cop is obviously, you know, quite terrified now of what he's seen, even though he knows these guys and they just put down the half a body on the ground. You know, sir, we have had a day. <laughs> and I, I just know. love that bit. Uh, and the fact, okay. So, uh, Dale is a very, he's, He's an idiot, but he's also super smart somehow. Um, and he's so soft-hearted and stuff. And Tucker is the more outspoken one. And at the very beginning and stuff, 
you know, Tucker convinces Dale to go talk to the college girls, especially, you know, the main female one that, you know, she's, she's that blonde college student, but, you know, she's not, I guess, I don't want to say rude or anything, but, you know, she doesn't judge people and stuff. And he, for some reason, why does he walk over there with the scythe? Like, seriously, why? <laughs> why? It's, it's a safety blanket. To him, it doesn't seem weird at all because he'd just have one of those. I know, but it's just it's just one of those things that you as an audience would watch and go, why? Especially when Tucker tells him to smile and laugh because it shows confidence. <laughs> and it's... it's And like you said, it's adorable because all of his odd charm ends up winning this girl who's different than the rest of her friends. But again... You know, all of her friends are shown to have their own um, bad biases towards the Hill Williams. Um, but the Hill Williams also have a bias towards them, you know, and it, it, it's fun how the movie slowly um, breaks down those two sides of each of them. Because, you know, to the to the Tucker and Dale, you know, these crazy college kids must have some sort of source, uh, suicide pact, you know? And it's like they immediately go to that because it's probably something they heard in the news or something like that. And it's really just Chad who has a, you know, an ulterior motive and a bone to pick. And I love how slowly the movie integrates that too it doesn't kind of lead with that it kind of goes oh yeah by the way one of these college kids is actually fucking dangerous you, you know and, and I, I liked that yeah one of um definitely when um the kids come and you know one goes in the wood chipper and the other one impales himself right on uh dale and stuff and they decide that they have a suicide pact that's to me that's when the the movie became like my one of my all-time favorites because I, I just love it so much. They are so distraught that these kids are deciding to kill themselves. And on top of that, they want to also kill their friend Allie because why else would they not want to come and get her and get, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, the, or a therapist you know so it's like she tries to kind of work it out i love that scene because you know you get um dale who's like oh no you did fine and it's like i'm pretty sure i just caused all of this shit to go down and it, it just it's it's wonderful how just how sweet all of it ends up being even though the movie does not shy away from having horrific amounts of gore like they just pile it on oh yeah and i think that's kind of what kind of God, I am just repeating my words back to back. That's strange. Okay. So I think that's kind of what makes it a bit more uh, from a comedy into, I, I don't really want to say a dark horror because I, I guess it'd be a dark comedy. But because like you said before, from the wood chipper and the beehive scene and the kid just impaling himself, I remember seeing that for the very first time and just being like, holy shit. I was stunned. Yeah, because it, it, it catches you off guard. And, you know, people say it, it's surprising that more movies, one, haven't tried to do this where it's a horror movie. But out, until you're unveiling that Chad kind of had a reason to bring them here and he's the real villain in all of this, there's no antagonist. 
like throughout the whole thing, it's just happenstance. Like Tucker and Dale are just trying to have a good time. And these kids are just trying to have a good time and they fall into all every, every single possible um, cabin in the woods, horror trope you could fall into. And the kids know that. And so that's what drives their um, paranoia and causes them to make the, but, but again, unlike a movie like scream, or cabin in the woods, it's never winky about it. Like they never look out in the audience and go, ha, 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 you get these things too. It's very self-contained and, and it's what it really makes it feel unique in out of most of the things in the genre, truthfully, um, because it works so well as a horror movie and works so well as a comedy and is just so goddamn well-written and acted, you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, um, I, I want us I want to talk about something real quick because um, I have Ulrich in the background telling me that I need to inform you and our listeners that I am indeed married to a Hill William and they are very tired of their misrepresentation and being called Hillbilly. So not being from a part of the country that um, has a lot of Hill Williams, um, what is the textbook definition um, that would make uh, the person you're married to be a Hill William? He said, "Rednecks make uh, rednecks make meth. Hill Williams make moonshine." Ah, uh, perfect. Because we have a lot of rednecks around here. And, and he, um, and I remember during the, the movie and stuff, he said, you know, in the town that he grew up in, there was a lot of people that dressed like, uh, like all the Hill Williams in the beginning of the movie with, uh, with the um, overalls ov- with only one on one shoulder and maybe not a shirt underneath and stuff. That's awesome. Okay, so now what I wanted to talk about before Ulrich told me I had to inform all the peoples. What was your favorite kill? Hello? Yes? I heard what was your favorite and then nothing. Oh, okay. What was your favorite kill? Oh, man. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Because I personally really like it when he goes in the wood chipper. Yeah, I see it's no matter what. And the three times now I've seen this movie, it's a big toss up because I love the wood chipper, but the setup for the wood chipper has already happened after the B thing. And that B thing just the way that whole scene is shot because the kid runs up like ready to like battle charge in and then there comes Tucker around screaming like freaking Leatherface with the saw above his head <laughs> and they, they're they running next to each other and they catch eyes in slow motion and then the kid gets impaled and you know this wasn't an expensive movie but man are those kills really well done like they did not skimp on making those brutal like and you know and you'd think, like we said before, for, for as horrific as it is and for hilarious as it is, the sound effects and like seeing the kid, you know, they're impaled, like dying afterwards. Like that's some like hard horror movie shit that they're pulling there. But because they keep jumping between the two, you can't help but just kind of giggle. 
<laughs> during it all because it's just wonderful oh, in yeah. a sick way. So do you think when the kid that gets impaled sees the bee at the end, do you think it occurs to him that maybe that's why Tucker was running away? Yes, I completely agree At the after the third time seeing it that that kid is kind of going, oh, no fucking way. Like, you've got to be shitting me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I also found out today that um, that the hail, the hail, the, <laughs> the hat that uh, Tyler Labine wears for his character was totally improvised. He thought it would, the giver was, was a, uh, was a good look for his character. Yeah, and I always wanted to know if there was a story with that hat. Like, every time I'd catch it in a scene and kind of listen to him talking, I'm like, what does that hat mean to Dale? You know what I mean? Like, is there a story behind Like, oh, I, I picked this hat today, or this is my vacation hat. Like, what does it mean, you know? <laughs> yeah, I always I always thought that, too. But all I know is that Tyler Labine just showed up on set and was like, hey, I think my character would actually wear this. And that was that was it. And, yeah. Oh yeah, he's a big teddy bear, so it kind of makes. Sense. Yeah, that does make sense. I I love the way, um, you know, thinking through that, you know, there the setups are in like the type of beer the two of them drink, is is very intentional and funny, you know, like he brings him a PBR in the hospital at the end, and it's like he just brought him, you know, the most expensive champagne in the world, you know what I mean, and. I just love how the two of them roll with the punches so much. They you know? are they are great people to to be able to play off each other. It, like like they have to be friends in real life to be able to do what they do. Right, it, you know, it, it's just it it's so impressive when when a movie comes together and it feels lived in. And those roles just felt lived in. It's like when I flipped on Stranger Things for the first time. And I was like, you know, even though it took me a while to like get, get my footing with that show when I first watched it, the kids felt right. And when I, when I read into it, it's like it's because they made them hang out for six months before they started recording. And it's like, that's genius. And I, I feel like like the Harry Potter movies did that too, right? These kids all felt like they were real friends. And Tucker and Dale just feel in the first scene you see them without having to have any dialogue to back it up. It's just body language and how comfortable they are with each other. That, of course, these guys have known each other their whole life. You know, it's perfect. So do you think that the ever-rumored sequel to this movie will actually ever come to fruition? God, I hope so. I would watch 10 sequels to this. Me too. I I just really want to know what they could be thinking for the sequel. Like, I hope it's just as awesome as the first one, if it ever does come out. Like, I hope it happens. I can't wait for it. If I made a sequel to this, I would stick Tucker and Dale in a completely different genre. Oh, yeah. What about the cabin with all the weird serial killer shit in it? What's the background for that? Well, that that is the cabin from the the serial killer murders. Oh, okay. Like that's that's because I I was thinking through, and that's literally like what it is. Like they Tucker and Tucker and Dale bought the foreclosed cabin that the um whatever it is the the Memorial Day massacre happened in, and that's how Chad kind of knows where to go. That's why they're so close by is because Chad had this ulterior motive to whoever's in this house. I'm going to hunt him down and kill him just because I'm angry. 
And uh, for all of the people listening to this in October, just to let you know, we're recording this almost right next to Memorial Day. Yes, it's the 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 anniversary of Memorial Day Massacre. <laughs> Um, so, so what I was thinking, you know, I recently put myself through watching, um, the remake of cabin in the woods, which did you know this happened? What? Yes. You know, Eli Roth's cabin in the woods, like came out a couple of years, probably five years before Tucker and Dale. No, I, uh, I must not know names or anything. Maybe I've seen it. Okay. I don't know. So, so Eli Roth, who made Hostel, right? Yeah. His, his first big movie was this movie called Cabin Fever. That's, it's pretty good. You know, it's oh, another yeah, Cabin okay. in the Woods movie. It's the people that get the flesh-eating virus from the water, right? Yeah. He, he, for some reason, like two years ago, had somebody remake his movie with pretty much the same script. And I happened to be going on to Netflix after watching Tucker and Dale again. And it was, you know, recommended to watch Cabin Fever. And I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll watch the remake of Cabin Fever. How bad can it be? Now, it just made me like Tucker and Dale and the original Cabin Fever all that more. Because here's a movie where, like, filming-wise, they had really good cameras. The exposure is really cool. The shots are set up nice. The movie is complete and total shit. Like every new decision they make and every cheap way they get around not doing a thing in the original or change they make is just dumb as a bag of rocks. And the reason I bring it up is because it, it made me think back through how Tucker and Dale versus evil could, could have been a complete failure, but it's all these details we talked about that make all these homages and the, the fact that it feels so unique, even though it, is wearing the shell of a couple of different genres of movies. It just reminded me that, you know, I mean, they were shooting the same script for this remake of cabin fever and it was total junk, like complete junk. And it just made me appreciate this one more. Now back to what we were saying about if they made a Tucker and Dale versus evil sequel and they genre bended it, I was thinking putting them in like the middle of an alien invasion or like a Kaiju movie would just be hysterical. Well, what, what do you think? Alien invasion would be freaking hilarious. Oh my like, God. Think about Tucker and Dale get abducted. Oh my God. Or just one of them gets abducted and that's to explain it to the other one. And he doesn't believe him. <laughs> and then the aliens show up. My God. I just, that, uh... I don't have words. I could just, I have so many things running around in my head of what can happen. And it just makes me want to giggle because it's, it would work. It it would work. Well, just think about this, right? Think like pure fire in the sky. Oh God, make a firefly reference. Ooh, yeah, awesome. I was going to say, fire in the sky, like nasty ass evil aliens, right? But they pick up Dale. <laughs> so they're so they're doing all this terrible stuff, and he's just like super, like yeah, whatever. I mean, j like just as long as you leave one of my kidneys, right? I mean, all I needs one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Also, I will say, and tell me if you feel this way. The one thing 
watching this movie the third time that I didn't like about it. And it's one thing and it's minor and it's tiny. And it feels like just something in the late 20 uh, into 2010, like mid to late two thousands. They did this in a lot of horror movies was the found footage thing at the beginning with Chad jumping out and attacking the cameraman because they never pay it off later. Like they say, okay, three days earlier, and they bring you into it, but it's like, I get to the end and they reveal all the stuff with Chad and everything. And then I'm like, so are we going to go back to like that news broadcaster being any part of the storyline here? Could it be part of the sequel? Base? Well, that's what I was thinking they were trying to set up, but it felt like tacked on for that reason. You know? Yeah. It wasn't until this uh, last watch through that I honestly realized and it's kind of on my end because I don't notice things very well that at the very beginning I found footage thing. It was, it was chat and I didn't even know it until this last, um, watch. The- exact same thing with me. And that's why it didn't, you know, I, the movie's so good that you just kind of forget it. And that's why it feels tacked on by like a studio to go, Hey, put this in there. Like we need this to come full circle. And it's like, I don't really think you do. No, it, they could have totally cut that out and it would have been just fine. But I think that maybe they were trying to do some sort of sequel bait for it. But I agree. I don't like found footage stuff. It's tacky to me. I don't, yeah, I don't like it. Well, because it, it's really hard to do it right. Yeah, I've just seen way too many um, found bad found footage movies. I don't think there is one that I've seen that has been good. But then again, I'm, yeah. Right. It's it's very hard to find them. I I like Cloverfield, and a lot of people don't. But again, I saw it the day it came out. So it was kind of like, okay, things that came after it kind of took down its quality a bit for me. But um, if you ever get a chance to see Wreck or Quarantine, those were the two that I felt actually almost felt like they couldn't have existed any other way. So it was like, oh, all right, this you're actually making it worth watching it this way instead of going, ah, oh, this would have been better if it was just a static camera movie, you know? Yeah, see, I've watched those, and to me, I didn't like them very much. The only, um, I just remember the found footage type of thing that I liked was Paranormal Activity, the very first one. It Even though... I've seen it a billion times and I've watched all the other ones and stuff. I don't think it's a good movie to get me on the scare sometimes. Yeah, and it's very it's I, very effective. Yeah. Um, and I think that maybe it still does that for me because I saw it when I was a bit younger. And so that's why it still gets to me. Like, I know it's not a good movie. I know none of the um, sequels and stuff are good movies. And None of the sequels do it for me. It's just the very first. I got to say, um, out of all of those, the uh, third one with the dad, it's like in the 80s, and the dad takes a camera and sticks it on an oscillating fan so he can get a shot of the whole room during the night is a really clever like thing, like a new thing that I hadn't seen in any other movie like that. But they do this awesome thing with the kid standing behind the mom wearing the sheet after the camera pans by. And then the camera pans again and the sheet drops and there's nothing there anymore. That is in perfect, like bright lit 
shot that freaks me out every time I watch it. And again, like I said, none of them are really good movies, but there's just something about that stupid unnerving and it gets me every time. Okay. So this is a topic for another. uh, I I agree. (laughs) So yeah, we could honestly actually make this another, um, another geek Sioux haunt, but anyway, I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping it up now. I think that um, I probably gave this movie an A+. Plus. Is that about what you'd give it to? Yeah, it just gets better every time I watch it. it, it it's all the charm. It's just the charm. It's so damn charming. The jokes don't get old. It is very charming. And it's been out for a long while now. And if you guys haven't seen it, you need to go see it. On any sort of platform you can, trust us, it'll be a great freaking time. So now, Chris, go ahead and plug. Let you drop. Uh, go ahead and uh, plug. You're good. Um, so we. This is evil. And my name's Chris Chipman, the Chippa. You've heard me on here before. You can find me at patreon.com slash the Chippa, where I do the Chipman Brothers Tangent with my brother Movie Bob, shooting the shit with Chippa, which is an interview style show where I have random people from the internet on, the Talkbuster podcast, which I just finished recording a live episode of from just last weekend, um, and uh, the uh, Creating Geeks podcast that I do with my wife, Sarah, which is a podcast all about revisiting things from our childhood and sharing them with our children. Um, and I really appreciate uh, you guys always having me on, and I really appreciate getting to talk about Tucker and Dale versus Evil because I had forgotten about this movie until you mentioned it. So I'm psyched to revisit it. Good. I'm glad. All you listeners, go follow Chris on all of his stuff. He's a great podcaster. He does a lot of entertaining stuff. His uh, his live show is pretty uh, – all the pictures were kind of cool to look at. So go follow him. Be a great supporter. And I'm going to leave you guys tonight with horror tip number 1,891. Whether it be a man or a woman, because I do not judge, if they wear flannel and carry an axe, do not assume they are an axe murderer.